Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you uh, to STARS for having us here today at their Calgary base. It's great to be here and meet all the wonderful, hardworking staff who continue to save lives every day in our beautiful province. Our province is lucky, very lucky, to have such dedicated and skilled professionals providing expert care, whether at the scene of an accident or during a transfer to a hospital. I'm joined today by Premier Jason Kennedy, uh, Minister of Health Jason Copping, and President and CEO of STARS, Andrea Robertson. We are here today to share the details about the additional funding for STARS that will benefit communities all across Alberta. For those living in rural communities or traveling in remote areas, being able to access STARS services can mean the difference between life and death. Providing emergency care to Albertans where and when they need is of vital importance and I'm pleased this government recognize, recognizes and supports that need. Investing in all aspects of emergency medical services, including helicopter air ambulance, is something near and dear to me. As you know, Budget 2022 provides $64 million in additional emergency medical services funding to help ease the pressure the system has been experiencing and to support key initiatives as we move forward. Part of my role as co-chair of the Alberta EMS Advisory Committee is to work with a wide range of partners to determine what actions will ensure our greatest successes on the front lines. We're right now engaging with those frontline professionals in an engagement process which they are approaching this government with ideas. And I think it's always really important to once again thank all of those frontline workers for everything they do to protect our communities every day. So far in the past 48 hours, we've received over 600 responses from those frontline workers I encourage them to continue to share their thoughts and experiences with this government. This is a great engagement process as we move forward. I know the key to success in some of the changes we make will come from their collective knowledge and wisdom and what they experience every day on the front lines. Together, we will continue to take steady steps to make EMS more responsive to community needs and ensure support is where it needs to be when it's needed. I'm opt optimistic about the future, especially with the additional supports and plans currently underway. With that, I would like to invite Premier Jason Kenney to the podium. Thank you, Premier. Thank you so much, uh, RJ, I appreciate not just your introduction and comments, but also your uh, hard work as an MLA and particularly as co-chair of the task force on improving EMS services and we're seeing real progress and I want to thank you and your team uh, for the progress that's being made and we're excited to be here to announce another step forward to improve emergency services in Alberta. It's wonderful to be here at the STARS hangar in Calgary to share amazing news about boosting funding for helicopter air ambulance services in Alberta. As we all know, this is an incredibly valuable service to many Alberta communities. More than 1,000 Albertans are helped by STARS every year, and even more are helped through our regional air ambulance services, which we'll have, to, which we'll have more to say about uh, in the days to come. STARS makes miracles happen for patients and families that would not be possible if they weren't there to answer the call every day, 24-7. I've heard so many stories of people whose lives were literally saved because of STARS' response. People like Ron Diller, who credits STARS' crews and the portable ultrasound on board for saving his life after he collapsed uh, at a rural hospital. While transporting Ron to a larger hospital, the crews were able to inform the surgeon on duty to prepare for an urgent surgery to repair his aorta. A ground ambulance would have taken four to five hours but every minute counted for Ron and for other patients like him. And the STARS team got him to the care that he needed on time. There are countless other stories of Albertans involved in car accidents in remote areas where they've been rescued by STARS and may have lost precious time 
uh, if they had only been uh, access to ground ambulance transport to rely on. It's really as simple as this. Lives have been saved by the rapid and specialized emergency care and transportation that only STARS can offer. And so I am very proud that our province has such high quality air medical crews who are able to provide the highest level of care available outside a hospital. It's almost the equivalent to a flying intensive care unit. So I am thrilled to be here today to announce that Alberta's government is more than doubling our funding contribution to STARS. And I'll have more to say about other critical air ambulance services throughout the province in the next few days. Today's announcement means an increase of more than $8 million in annual guaranteed funding for STARS Ambulance. Alberta's government understands the significant operating costs involved with such a crucial service. The additional $8 million will give STARS stability. This significant increase in funding will allow STARS' highly specialized critical care air medical crews to continue serving Albertans, especially those in rural and remote communities, by doing what they do best saving lives when time matters most. STARS is just one small aspect of Alberta's uh, healthcare system, and Alberta's healthcare system is receiving the highest amount of funding in our province's history. Our government is providing more than $22 billion to health's operating budget, and that's a $600 million increase from last year, and $1.8 billion more than when we first formed government three years ago. But the amount of money isn't the only issue. We need to make sure that we are getting better results. And that's why we're making important investments in key areas where there is the greatest need to expand capacity, a key learning from the COVID era. For example, the $1.8 billion expansion of the Red Deer Hospital serving Central Alberta, the single largest capital investment in expanding Alberta healthcare in history. We're also boosting access to surgeries with $900 million set aside for the Alberta Surgical Wait Times Initiative, which is already working to bring wait times down for some procedures. We're invest investing in continuing care and home care for our uh, elderly Albertans, as well as mental health and addiction supports for those trying to get out of the trap of addiction while building new supports for pregnant women in Northern Alberta, for example, with the new maternity center that will be built in La Crete. And we're investing in critical emergency medical services like EMS, now including today's uh, historic investment in improving helicopter air ambulance services. We're committed to ensuring that all Albertans have access to the medical services that they need, whether they live in one of our big cities or in a remote rural town. I think I, I speak for all Albertans when I say that for any person who's in need of rescue, the team at STARS is a beacon of hope. I've had the pleasure of meeting some of the highly trained crews, uh, did so in Grand Prairie before, and I've attended a number of STARS fundraisers. And I also want to say thank you to the community for its huge uh, financial and practical support to the STARS team. You've all been providing crucial critical care services 24-7 around most of our province at both on-call scenes, such as motor vehicle accidents, industrial accidents, and remote patients, and while moving patients from local hospitals to hospitals with higher levels of care, which is something we needed to do at times during COVID. I'm glad that STARS can continue to do so over the coming years out of the base here in Calgary, as well as in Edmonton and in GP. I also want to thank all Alberta communities, individuals, and businesses, as I've said, to continue to generously support STARS through their various fundraising activities. So don't think that the government support today means that STARS doesn't need the private sector charitable support. It needs that now just as much. The additional support for critical care helicopter air ambulance is part of delivering on our commitment to provide Albertans with a stronger and more resilient health system that can meet the needs of Albertans when and where they need that care. So I'm happy that Albertans will continue to receive the best care possible with STARS in many regions of our province. And I'll now turn it over uh, to Health Minister Jason Copping for more details. Thank you, Premier, and good afternoon, everyone. Pleased to be here. And as the Premier said, we are here today to announce an increase to our funding contribution for STARS. 
I'm pleased to share that our investment will cover approximately half of STARS base operating costs. That's up from about 23%. STARS as you, is, is as close as you can get to a flying ICU supported by a nurse, a paramedic, and access to a transport physician when needed. More than doubling the support for STARS will ensure that Albertans who experience a critical or life-threatening situation can have access to reliable helicopter air ambulance service for years to come. The increase provides STARS with predictable and stable funding so they can continue delivering the best care possible, whether on the ground or in the air. This is good news for all communities across the province that STARS serves. In fact, STARS covers 90% of Alberta's population, including vast parts of our rural and remote areas. Just looking at the recent dispatches of STARS, I see it flew to Grand Cache, Cardston, Rimby, Drumheller and McLennan, just to name a few. I also hope to have some more good news in the coming days for regions served by HALO and HERO, two other helicopter air ambulance providers in the province of Alberta. Now today, I can share that Alberta Health Services are in talks with HERO and HALO, and I will be providing more information soon. Air ambulance is only one way we get people who need help where they need to go. We are also continuing to explore ways to improve all aspects of emergency medical services. I believe that looking at our healthcare system holistically and using what we have learnt in the pandemic will give us the information we need to expand capacity for our growing population. Together, we have an opportunity to shape our future now. We are doing this on many fronts. For emergency medical services, one of the most important ways we are gathering recommendations is through the Alberta EMS Provincial Advisory Committee. We are extremely fortunate to have one of the co-chairs of that committee, MLA RJ Sigurdsson here today, MLA for Highwood, Grand Prairie MLA Tracy Allard, also co-chairs in the committee, Fort McMurray Wood Buffalo MLA Tanya Yao sits on that committee as well. And I'm looking forward to the recommendations their committee uh, and their subcommittees will have uh, in the coming days. And then one of those subcommittees is also dedicated to air ambulance service. We are also in the process of commissioning an independent review on how we further improve the EMS dispatch service which will include examining the air ambulance dispatch processes, and I expect this review to be completed in the fall. Budget 2022 includes an additional $28 million in support for ground and helicopter air ambulance service. It's part of the $64 million increase in funding for EMS to support priority initiatives. I know all paramedics and EMS support staff across the province have been responding to historic call volumes. COVID-19 has also posed more staffing challenges over the past two years. And we are taking action by significantly increasing EMS funding to address immediate challenges and improve access in communities across the province. This includes putting more ambulances on the street and improving response times. As announced uh, several weeks ago, Calgary and Edmonton are getting five additional ambulances and crews each. This year and next, a combined total of 20 new ambulance and crews. And we are adding more ground ambulance capacity in Red Deer and Lethbridge. Alberta Health Services is also making rapid progress implementing a 10-point plan to add EMS capacity and ensure the most critical patients receive immediate care. That includes adding ambulances and staff and launching initiatives to keep suburban ambulances in their home communities more often. I'm confident this added support will help ease system pressures and continue to make EMS more responsive to communities' needs across our province. The time for us to make meaningful changes that address Alberta's needs and dynamic population is now. I want to thank everyone here at STARS, the helicopter pilots, the medical crews, and all the staff that have been involved in helping keeping Albertans every day in their time of need. I'm glad STARS can continue to provide quality critical care with the additional guaranteed funding. For your team, truly, the sky is the limit. So thank you, and I now like to invite STARS President and CEO Andrea Robertson to the podium. Good afternoon. Thank you, Premier Kenny. Thank you, Minister Copping. Thank you, MLA. Sigerson for being here today and inviting me to speak. This is absolutely historic day in our 37-year history. My name is Andrea Robertson. I am the president and CEO of STARS. 
since 1985. STARS has been there for Albertans suffering critical illness and or injury. When these individuals experience what is likely the worst day of their lives, Albertans want to know the highest level of care is available to them. Today's announcement reflects a shared commitment to our communities that we serve. Caring for critical care patients is an enormous responsibility, and we are honoured to be entrusted with it. This increased funding announced today ensures STARS will continue to be available far into the future and that we can focus on further strengthening critical care services that we provide across this great province. We often say the red helicopter is the most visible aspect of the care we provide, but the real magic is what happens inside. It's absolutely about critical care trained crews bringing the best technology and medical care available. This funding will help us continue to meet that need. To the donors, as uh, our Premier pointed out, who have supported us for 37 years, thank you. Please know that your support is just as crucial today um, as it was before this announcement. This increased funding from Alberta government is welcome Trust me, very, very welcome. And STARS simply could not exist, however, without do continued donations from our great donors. On behalf of everyone at STARS, thank you to the Premier, to the Minister, to our partners at AHS and in government, and to all Albertans for this op opportunity to continue to serve. Thank you very much. That concludes our formal speaking portion today. We're going to start with our media Q&A. We'll start on the floor here. Please identify your name, your outlet, and who you'd like to direct your question to. We'll go with one question, one follow-up. Please go ahead. Hi there. It's Alana Smith with the Canadian Press. Uh, my question is for Mr. Kenny. Go ahead. Sure. Um, so there's a recording that's now been made public where you say, and I quote, the lunatics are trying to take over the asylum, and I'm not going to let them. I'm wondering if you can provide some more context to this. What did you mean by that? Sure. Well, let me say, first of all, that I appreciate there's a leadership review vote that I embrace the opportunity for accountability amongst our members. And there's a lot of people who uh, have been frustrated with the past two years during COVID or have other reasons for wanting uh, a leadership election. I respect that and I welcome that, quite frankly. Uh, and I acknowledge that there are uh, a lot of mainstream conservatives who are frustrated with the past two tough years and would like a leadership election. I, I respect them and their perspective. At the same time, uh, I have seen uh, a growing number of voices from the far margins of uh, Alberta politics that are, uh, I would say, extreme and have been trying to get involved in the leadership process in our party. That does concern me. When I uh, worked so hard over three years to help build the United Conservative Party, I committed that it would be a mainstream party reflective of the values of mainstream uh, Albertans and that we would not allow the kind of lake of fire incidents that we've seen uh, in conservative politics in this province in the past. And so I have been concerned uh, about um, a uh, group of people who typically would not be involved in a mainstream conservative party seeking to get involved in this leadership election. You know, I'll give you some examples. Just uh, two days ago, I was here in Calgary, I announced the new, uh, wall, sorry, excuse me, the Walmart Fulfillment Center with uh, 325 permanent jobs, great news. I went and checked out my Facebook and the first and most popular comment said, no, quotes, Walmart is trafficking children on their UF's websites. They're part of the World Economic Forum. And the, the person who posted that um, is committing to vote against me in the UCP leadership, alleging that I am involved in a human trafficking ring with children conspiring with Walmart in the World Economic Forum. I'd like to imagine that's, that's just a one-off, but it's not, sadly. Um, I remember, I, I took a note of this just after having announced that we were dropping public health restrictions in this province several weeks ago. Uh, I checked out my Facebook and someone posts, quotes, we're coming for you, Kenny. On April the 9th, we're taking 
You and your corrupt government down. You and the Jew-loving Great Reset tyrants are headed to the Nuremberg trial, unquote. Somebody who claimed that they were uh, registering to vote in the UCP leadership campaign. We have somebody who we, a number of people who we, whose candidacies we uh, vetoed in the last election uh, who are actively organizing to disrupt the party and to divide it. Uh, one of those individuals, uh, Todd Beasley from Brooks Medicine Hat, was vetoed as a candidate because he had said on social media that, quotes, uh, Muslims are really fools worshiping Satan. It's not a religion of peace. It's a cruel, revolting, racist, oppressive religion and has no legitimate basis. We excluded him as a candidate. This is a gentleman who's now been traveling around the province in the recent weeks to divide our party um, and, and, and see, sow the seeds of division. We have people involved in this leadership uh, review campaign who organized a tiki torch rally at the legislature using explicitly images from the uh, neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. We have people involved in this who uh, left a noose on MLA Tracy Allard's uh, front lawn uh, following a protest uh, with which was an implicit threat. The same people who uh, violated uh, the privacy of Minister Copping's home and family, screaming that in his neighborhood that he was a mass murderer for promoting uh, safe and effective vaccines. I could go on, but these are just a handful of the examples I have seen. The threats even against, I've mentioned this before, my 83-year-old my mother that I've received. Um, I know that these do not, these marginal voices do not represent Albertans. They certainly do not represent the United Conservative Party. Uh, but I am determined to ensure that such uh, hateful, extreme, and divisive voices do not find a home in this mainstream, broad, uh, conservative party. And uh, I, uh, so that's, that's an issue that is very much at play here. And I will not apologize for calling out these kinds of voices of division. Um, in the past in Alberta politics, we've always had one or two kind of hard right parties that were, uh, I guess, a natural home for people like this. There was two or three percent of the province that voted for uh, uh, hard right parties in the last election, provincial election, including Derek Fildebrandt's party, which is now called the WIP. Uh, and there was one percent that voted for the Maverick party in the last federal election. So people who have uh, hateful or extreme views, they can find a political home, but not in the United Conservative Party. If they do not believe in human dignity, they're not welcome in this party. Lana, do you have a follow-up? I do, yeah. Um, how can Alberta, Halberton, sorry, rely on you to lead this province as you have trouble leading your own party, including some of your caucus openly calling for your resignation? Our members are going to have an opportunity to speak to that in our upcoming leadership review, review vote, where every single member will get a chance to cast a uh, safe and secure ballot. And I'm looking forward to that accountability. Uh, what I know is this, our government has done what we said we would do. We have kept our commitments to Albertans. We have implemented nearly 90% of the promises we made in the last election, including yesterday, passing the first balanced budget in this province in 14 years, leading Canada in economic growth and job creation into a, a new economic boom of diversification, building a strong province. Uh, and uh, I'm encouraged to see recent polls indicating uh, that the United Conservative Party would win a majority government today. I'm confident that I have the support of uh, the majority of members of the party that I'm privileged to lead. I've been in, around the province a lot in the last uh, month, just in the last uh, 36 hours, visiting with hundreds of people in different parts of the province, rural and urban, and I'm really encouraged by the response that I'm getting, but ultimately that is a, a decision that will be made by all of our grassroots members uh, over the weeks to come. Thank you, Premier. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, Tim Brooks, CTV News. Uh, same audio recording that Alana's chatting about. You mentioned that uh, before Christmas you had chatted about maybe stepping down as leader. So uh, for the Albertans out there, is your heart still in this? Oh, very much. Look, COVID was brutal for everyone, especially including those of us in leadership. And uh, we, we had to, I had to make impossibly difficult decisions, decisions I never imagined I'd be in a position of making. Uh, choosing between protecting lives and protecting the healthcare system, 
but also interrupting people's uh, freedoms. And, and uh, it was a, a brutally difficult time. Took a lot out of all of us. No sugarcoating that. Uh, at the same time, I spent three years of my life crisscrossing the province, building this United Conservative Party, much of that time without a paycheck. And the last thing I was going to do is uh, carry on as leader if that would reduce our chances of winning a second term at the polls in the next election. So I did the responsible thing by taking a step back personally to uh, do some introspection and discernment about whether it was uh, best for me to carry on in this leadership role. I consulted widely with colleagues and, uh, and others, and I came to the conclusion that uh, I have, first of all, the privilege of serving in the best job in Canada as Premier of Alberta, that I'm incredibly excited about what the future holds for this province as we move into a era of renewed economic opportunity. I'm proud that we have kept nearly 90% of our provinces for Albertans. And finally, I determined that we need to maintain unity and responsible mainstream leadership, that it, I would not risk breaking open this party and returning to a decade of conservative division by uh, opening up an incredibly divisive leadership campaign at this point. So I decided to continue to offer, uh, in a spirit of uh, servant leadership, my continued service, and I'm encouraged by the response I've been receiving since then. Tim, do you have a follow-up? Yes. Um, regarding the mail-in ballot, we have Brian Jean's team today saying they don't really trust you uh, with this mail-in ballot to not... Uh, I think they said bend the rules. Uh, your party is, or factions of your party, is still under investigation by the RCMP after the 2017 leadership race. So what are you doing to assure Albertans and assure some people in your party that there's going to be no bending of the rules this time around? Well, I'm not responsible for administering the ballot or the votes. That is the responsibility of our elected board, and they'll be contracting out oversight of that to a internationally recognized uh, accounting firm that does uh, this kind of work for uh, large organizations, including large corporations. So this uh, it, it's a single member vote where every single UCP member will have their say in a safe and convenient, secure way in a mail ballot administered by a uh, major accounting firm uh, where all of the uh, receipt of the ballots and their counting will be overseen by a large team of independent uh, scrutineers representing our 87 uh, elected constituency association boards according to the highest standards of probity and transparency. Uh, that's just as it should be. Um, I believe the process will be very similar to the one used by the Federal Conservative Party in their last two leadership elections which were conducted by mail ballot where everybody will have to include identification um, in their uh, return ballot, and as I say, everything will be um, overseen by both uh, accounting auditors and, uh, and by volunteer scrutineers. So um, that is, I think that's the best way of doing this. I think our, our board was facing a impossibly difficult situation with um, 15,000 registrants, likely moving to over 20,000 registrants for a hall that at most could accommodate about 2,300 people. Um, that would have required one person voting for every second over a six-hour period, which, was, which would obviously have been impossible. And it would have, you know, probably brought something like 10,000 or more vehicles where maybe 3,000 parking spots were available. It would have resulted in outdoor lineups for hours long with the uh, threat of, of protests and, in, and potential intimidation. Uh, that was uh, not a realistic or safe scenario. So what the board, uh, the elected board of the UCP has done is to uh, enfranchise every single member, allowing them to vote from the convenience of their kitchen table uh, in a, a, a safe, uh, responsible way with all sorts of uh, oversights and, and legal checks. Thank you. With that, we're gonna go to the phones. Operator, can you please put through our first caller? And hopefully we'll get at least one question on today's big announcement. Operator, can you please put through our first call? Uh, first and sorry for the, if, if you're uh, listening online, we've got uh, helicopters coming and going here. Ho hopefully you can hear us. 
Go ahead. The first question is from Brittany Gervais, Calgary Herald. Uh, please go ahead. Hi, yes, thank you. Um, this is for the Premier and the Health Minister. Uh, the federal government announced another $2 billion to help provinces work through surgical backlogs caused by the pandemic. Uh, wondering if you can give us an idea of how this funding could be used to address the backlogs here. I'm also looking for an update on how many surgeries remain on hold. Sure. So we appreciate today's announcement from the Government of Canada. The additional uh, $2 billion of funding, I understand, in this fiscal year uh, will amount to about $230 million for Alberta. Uh, we went ahead and, and already made our part of the fiscal commitment with last year's $900 million surge in funding to reduce surgical wait times and this year's $600 million increase in the baseline health budget to increase capacity generally, including for surgeries. So this does help a little bit to address the additional investments that Alberta's already made. But we hope that today's announcement is not instead of a significant and permanent increase in the Canada health transfer. Alberta has joined all nine other provinces in calling urgently on the federal government significantly and permanently to increase their funding of the healthcare system. <clears throat> when Medicare started in the 60s, the, the Ottawa paid about 50% of the cost. That's now down uh, to uh, about 23%. And so the provinces have been calling on Ottawa to increase that to 35%. Uh, that would be about a $30 billion package. Uh, and uh, the, the provinces don't have the same fiscal capacity as the federal government. In Alberta, right now, we're doing okay fiscally, but many provinces are not. So again, we appreciate the additional funding. It will support the work that's already underway to reduce surgical wait times and increase capacity. But frankly, uh, all Canadian provinces need to see a longer-term commitment to resolving federal underfunding of healthcare. And with that, I'll invite Minister Copping to say more. Thanks for the question. I'll just uh, add just to add to this, and this is in regards to surgeries. Uh, right now, our, our system has recovered fairly well. Uh, we're sitting at just under uh, or just over uh, 96 percent of uh, normal surgical volume. Uh, in terms of the wait list, at the beginning of the March, it was 76,350 compa compared to 78,400 at the start of February. Just for frame of reference, uh, we were at pre-COVID, we were at 60,000. Uh, on the wait list, and uh, and that number uh, was uh, that was pre-COVID, and also in August of last year we had got it back down to 68,000, uh, and the list peaked at, a, at approximately just over 81,000 at Delta. So uh, um, again, the number is still is uh, is coming down, um, and uh, and that's going to be as the as the premier indicated, you know, our key area of focus uh, over the next number of months is, is to get that number down because it, quite frankly, it's, it's unacceptable. Yeah, helpful that the, uh, the federal government is providing some funding to, uh, to get ca caught up on the backlog. But again, uh, long-term sustainable funding would be even more helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Minister. Brittany, do you have a follow-up? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you. Um, and then wanted to clarify on today's announcement as well. I'm wondering if the $8 million increase in annual funding for STARS is part of the $64 million announced a few weeks ago, or if this is new funding, and a little bit more on why uh, around, the, or a little bit more on the decision around why uh, the increase in funding was needed here. Uh, so uh, it, it is part of the broader $64 million that we had for EMS that was announced in uh, Budget 2022. Uh, and then you know, one of the uh, recommendations that came out of the HEMS report uh, was a need for sustainable funding over a longer period of time to, to ensure that we actually have the service now and, quite frankly, into the future. Uh, so we are uh, delivering on, on, uh, on that uh, recommendation that we had in the HEMS report, and today's announcement is the, is the start of that to ensure that we have sustainable funding for, uh, for STARS so they can actually plan going forward in terms of not only being able to provide the, provide the services, uh, but also ensure that they can make investments in uh, new equipment as need be. And I don't know if, Andrea, if you have anything you'd want to add to that. Nope. Okay. Thanks, Minister. Operator, can you please put there our next caller? The next question is from Adam Toy, Global News. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, question for the Health Minister and or uh, the Premier. Uh, just wondering, um, uh, most recent wastewater uh, data would seem to indicate that the amount of COVID in the community is uh, at uh, pre-Omicron highs. 
Uh, we, I don't think it'll be a surprise to know that hospitalizations will follow. Um, if things get worse in terms of hospitalizations, ICU, et cetera, um, are we, are, are you open to, or are we likely to see, uh, changes to public health measures? Yeah, so, yeah, in terms of the, the data, um, you know, we are watching the wastewater data closely. Uh, in certain uh, particular areas, uh, we are seeing a slight, uh, a slight uptake, but it still remains at, at fairly low levels. So we are watching that closely. We're also watching what's happened in other jurisdictions. Um, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, a trend line in terms of uh, additional cases. You know, as Dr. Henshaw and I mentioned in our uh, media veil earlier this week, we're going to watch that closely. Um, you know, when, we, when you take a look at other jurisdictions, um, what they're anticipating or, or what you're seeing is an increase in cases due to uh, BA2 um, and, uh, and also a slight bump in, uh, in, uh, in hospitalizations. We're going to have to wait and see what that looks like for here, quite frankly. Um, you know, we know that uh, when we look at BA1, uh, it was fairly widespread. We haven't got the serological data yet, but that, that, that work is being done right now. Um, but it was fairly widespread. And we have, you know, in terms of uh, um, vaccinations, you know, over 90% first dose, 86% uh, second doses, and boosters continue to rise, which, which all, all of that provides protection against, uh, uh, against severe outcomes. So we're going to continue to uh, watch the data and, and um, see if there's a, uh, um, uh, an increase first that haven't, hasn't happened yet uh, in cases, uh, and then whether or not uh, hospitalization is, uh, is going to follow. I, I would like to, and, and then, and then take, it, take it from there, I would like to point out that other jurisdictions, for example, uh, Denmark, which had you know, Omicron BA1 and BA2 hit uh, at the same time, uh, were able to keep their, uh, you know, have limited restrictions in place, uh, and they were able to manage that within their, uh, their, uh, their hospital system. Uh, we have a slightly different situation here in that we've already had uh, BA1, which has been fairly widespread, which provides some protection. So again, we're going to wait and see what, what happens, but we, we will make adjustments as, as, as needed. But and one last comment I'll just make for context. You know, one of the, the you know, our areas of focus has been is, is how do we provide protection um, and, and, and using economic or, or, or social restrictions as a last resort. Um, we have high levels of vaccination. Uh, we have new treatments, and quite frankly, this budget is focusing on increasing capacity in our hospital system uh, so we can handle future waves, and, and, and that's what we're focused on right now. Adam, do you have a follow-up? Uh, yeah, different topic. Question for the Premier. Um, you uh, outlined some of the threats that you had received uh, in regards to what was the planned in-person vote in Red Deer in April. Wondering if uh, law enforcement had been engaged uh, in terms of uh, evaluating those threats. Yeah, my understanding is that there had been engagement of law enforcement uh, by the party. Uh, a major event like that would obviously attract a lot of uh, threats uh, of disruption and so on. And I think there was a very good likelihood of, of significant disruptions. Um, you know, in November, our party held an annual general meeting with 1,700 delegates, which is pretty pretty good number. Um, and uh, we did that at the Gray Eagle uh, Resort in southwest near Southwest Calgary in the Tsutsina Reserve. Uh, and lineups to register were like three hours plus long at some points. Many people just gave up because they couldn't get access to the parking lot simply because there was one protest that blocked access to the roads there. So if we were to have potentially 20,000 plus delegates trying to access one venue, um, by the way, in a city of 100,000 people, with a very high likelihood of disruptive protests of potential road blockades, um, it, it could have been a complete schmozzle. And I can, the idea of having people driving in from all across the province only to be unable to get access to the venue, unable to find parking, waiting in hours, potentially being uh, shouted at by protesters with bullhorns, uh, the whole scenario was, um, I think, uh, irresponsible. If, if we had proceeded in that direction. So I think that the elected UCP board made the, the right call uh, to relook at the whole thing. When they planned it, they were expecting maybe 2,500 delegates, and we were definitely headed towards over 20,000. And there just wasn't the infrastructure there uh, to deal with that, let alone the volunteers to process that vote. And then there were the security issues 
Um, and so, yes, my understanding is that uh, the appropriate authorities were engaged. Um, I don't know the details of that dis dialogue, but, uh, but certainly allowing people to vote from the safety of their homes will avoid uh, all of those issues and, uh, and potential risks. Thanks, Premier. Operator, Thank can you please put through our next caller? Well, the next question is from Janet French, CBC. Please go ahead. Hi there, Premier. I just wanted to go back to a comment you made earlier, comments you made earlier about the week's recording. What makes you think that you are the only person who can keep the UCP together, united, as a mainstream party? Well, I led the unity process to begin with and did so for a reason. Uh, in 2015, we ended up with what some have called the accidental NDP government because Conservatives were divided. I thought somebody without baggage in that division needed to step forward with a detailed plan to reunite the movement. And I worked uh, my tail off in every corner of the province through much of three years without a paycheck uh, to develop uh, that, that grassroots support, which led to the largest number of votes for a government in Alberta history, the first ever party to win over a million votes. Um, I think I'm somebody who can speak to the different elements of our broad coalition uh, while uh, also protecting us from the kinds of uh, extremism that I described earlier. And I believe that I've been tested through a time of crisis and demonstrated our ability to lead through a time of three once-in-a-century crises, the largest public health crisis since 1918, the largest global economic collapse since the Great Depression, and the largest collapse of energy prices ever. And through all of that, we did not down tools. We continued to keep our word, to deliver on our promises, which is why today we have now substantially delivered on 88% of our 375 election commitments, the core, at the heart of which is economic recovery. And so the, our record is clear. Yesterday's balanced budget, the reflection of an amazing Alberta economic recovery, of unprecedented diversification, I believe a stronger province so I believe with that experience, I am in the best position uh, to move this uh, party and government forward. There's a couple of things though I have learned. In the past six years, I learned it's a lot easier to divide than it is to unite. I've also learned it's a lot harder to lead through multiple historic crises than it is to criticize from the sidelines. And finally, I've learned that it's a lot harder to build up than it is to tear down. I believe the vast majority of members of my party and Albertans want to move to this new era of economic prosperity, united, building, and leading. Thank you, Premier. Janet, do you have a follow-up? I do. Just want to toggle to the leadership review. How seriously are you considering resigning as party leader to prompt a party leadership race? Or would you rule out that option entirely at this point? No, as discussed earlier, I did go through a period of introspection and discernment and consultation uh, around Christmas time about whether I should step aside. And I came to the conclusion that would open the doors to an incredibly divisive uh, cycle of uh, leadership elections and division in the party that we might never recover from. I remember in 2005 that after having won four majority governments and eliminated the deficit, eliminated the debt, helped to build the Alberta advantage, uh, that the PC party basically voted non-confidence in Ralph Klein, and that set off a decade of conservative division uh, going through four leaders of the PC party in the ensuing 10 years, and ending up with two parties and a vote split that elected the NDP. Uh, I, after, after having worked so hard over the past several years, uh, with Conservatives to build a united party, I'm not prepared to risk that. And uh, I'm confident as I get around the province and hear from grassroots Conservatives, some people are understandably upset about decisions we had to make through COVID. I get it. And I have asked for understanding that, that we had to make decisions that do not come naturally to, to freedom-loving Alberta Conservatives uh, be, to avoid a total catastrophe in our healthcare system. I've pointed out that uh, personal freedom is a critically important value, but it's not the only value. So too is the sanctity of human life, the moral obligation to care for the vulnerable, and for government to ensure 
the uh, ability of the healthcare system to provide care that those, to those who need it. And uh, so we made some tough decisions that frustrated and angered many Alberta Conservatives. I hear them. But I also believe that any responsible leadership would have made these tough decisions. And so uh, I just ask our supporters, let's not end up in an endless cycle of recrimination and division over impossibly difficult choices through COVID. Let's instead look through the windshield at, as a bright new day of opportunity dawns on the province, in part because of this government's obsessive focus on economic growth. I think we're, we're seeing the, divid the dividends of that, the fruits of that now, uh, as witnessed by yesterday's uh, passage of the first balanced budget legislation in 14 years. Thanks, Premier. Alberta, can you please put through our next caller? The next question is from Kieran Leavitt, Fall Star. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my question. Uh, this is for the Premier. Premier, I, uh, you're, you're, you've got staff now who are actively recording you and then leaking your comments to the media. I mean, how do you deal with this trust being broken? Like, how can you continue governing at this point? Well, in terms of governing, this government is cooking with gas. Yesterday, we just passed the first balanced budget in 14 years. We are seeing Alberta leading Canada in economic growth for the second straight year. Last year was the best year ever for Alberta exports, for Alberta film and television, for Alberta high-tech digital and venture capital. It was the best year ever for forestry. It was the highest year ever in agriculture revenues. It was uh, the best year ever uh, in uh, multiple industries. And now we see whole new industries coming and flourishing in Alberta as a result of our government's pro-growth, open for business policies like $18 billion of petrochemicals, uh, projects that have been announced and, and several huge hydrogen projects that are going to uh, change Alberta's economy for the better for decades to come. A government that has delivered on 88% of 375 campaign commitments and a government that, according to the polls, would win a majority uh, uh, mandate today. So, uh, yes, there is some internal division. A lot of that comes out of frustration from COVID. I get it. Our members will get to speak to that in the most democratic way possible uh, through the mail ballot over the weeks to come. I look forward to their decision and I will respect whatever it is. Karen, do you have a follow up? I do. Are you concerned about assuring people that you're in meetings with that staff aren't just going to go and leak their comments to the media just to take a jab at you? Like, uh, you didn't really answer the question about the level of broken trust here. Well, it's. Look, I've been in uh, government and elected office for many years, and we always we know that there's always going to be leaks in any organization. Unfortunately, some people uh, are are more focused on helping out folks like you in the media than maintaining discipline in, internally. Um, regrettably, that goes with the territory. I remember when I was Minister of uh, National Defense, uh, I got frustrated because that whole department used to leak, leak like a sieve. So um, it's not the first time I've experienced that. I, I would just encourage people to be professionals, respect their colleagues, and confidentiality is an important part of running a, a professional organization. So, uh, but in my experience, hard to maintain that 100% in a large organization where some people have put their own personal agendas ahead of the team. Thanks, Premier. Operator, can you please put through our next caller? The next question is from Myrna Dukic of Radio Canada. Please go ahead. Oui, bonjour, Monsieur le Premier ministre. Je veux parler du vote de confiance. On sait que le changement des paramètres a suscité beaucoup de doutes. Beaucoup de gens soulèvent des doutes face à la légitimité du processus. Qu'est-ce que vous avez à dire à vos membres, pour leur, aux membres du parti, là, je veux dire, pour leur donner confiance dans la légitimité de ce vote de confiance? Écoutez, je crois que le, le comité de directeurs du parti euh, qui sont élus ont fait un choix responsable, faisant face à plus de 15 000 délégués qui ont, ont été registrés pour euh, la réunion à Red Deer. Euh, C'était prévisible que nous aurions eu euh, plus de 20 000 délégués et ça serait clairement impossible 
euh, d'avoir euh, une réunion de plus de 20 000 personnes dans un lieu qui peut, euh, qui peut euh, avoir euh, 2 500. Alors, c'était logistiquement, physiquement impossible de continuer avec le niveau d'intérêt, mais ce que les, les militants, les membres du parti ont dit avec leur niveau d'intérêt, ils ont dit clairement leur euh, volonté d'avoir un processus plus large, plus démocratique, et ça c'est exactement euh, ce que euh, le parti a décidé de faire, avec un processus totalement démocratique où tous les membres du parti euh, peuvent avoir leur décision, leur, leur euh, euh, scrutin. Alors, je, je crois que le parti a fait la bonne décision à cet égard. Ça, ça met à côté toutes les questions de sécurité, de, euh, des manifestations, des blocages, et ça va permettre la plus large euh, consultation des membres que possible. Marla, do you have a follow-up? I do, thank you. Um, ce changement, ça retarde de facto le processus d'un mois. Euh, certains ont dit que c'était à votre avantage, ce retard-là. Est-ce que vous avez peur des résultats? Qu'est-ce que vous répondez à ces commentaires? Franchement, je crois que le seul désavantage d'un processus euh, de, de scrutin par courriel et que euh, ça va prendre plus, plus de temps. Franchement, moi, j'aurais préféré d'avoir une décision tout de suite, mais c'est la seule façon de faire une consultation euh, plus large de tous les membres, et je crois que le parti a fait un bon choix à cet égard. Et pour les gens qui figure all that out, basically, les questions étaient sur la décision du parti de hold un mail ballot. Et essentiellement, je disais que je pense qu'ils ont fait la bonne choix. C'était logistiquement impossible d'accommoder potentiellement plus de 20 000 voters dans une location over a few hours, not to mention the potential for disruption of that. And that uh, secondly, um, I was asked about the timelines here and I said, I would prefer to have a decision made by the members immediately, but uh, that it will take a, bit, a few more weeks, unfortunately, to have a process that gives every single member their say in a safe and secure way. Thank you, Premier. And with no more questions in the queue, that concludes our press conference. Thank you.